Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. To right field, way up there, and way out of here! Second deck, walk off home run! Grand slam! So what is going on? Mike here from GT Fantasy. If you're listening to the uh, podcast, appreciate it. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube.com slash at Fantasy. I hope the audio and video, the video is not too blurry. It looks like it's blurry again, which sucks because I've been having issues trying to get this to work, but... uh. We're talking a few risers, fallers, and I see what's going on here. It's not running good. This is annoying. I've been dealing with this issue lately with the uh, video being a bit of a pain in the ass. So we'll see what happens here if I can get it to uh, to work with us today. But I digress. Let's go on over to what we're going to do. And we're going to cover some Pete players. So we got, we got Jonah Heim. We're going to talk about Dane Dunning, Lamont Wade Jr., Lance Lynn. What the hell's going on there? surprisingly a surprising decline from Mateo all of a sudden and Jordan Diaz we're going to get into and a few rookies among other things but we're going to start right at the top here with our boy with our friend Jonah Heim and the reason I say our boy is because he's just he's becoming a overall favorite of the community you're seeing people talk about him and for good reason obviously I was looking into him a little bit before the stream started and apologize again. I was prepped, but then I got thrown off by the fact that I can't seem to figure out, and have, I keep having issues with the uh, video on these live streams. But I digress. Let's get to it. Uh, so what we see with Jonah Heim here is we have these the strikeout rates, the walk rates, everything's solid and within like what you should expect. It was really in line with last year. And if you look at last year for Heim, he had a strong first half followed by a pedestrian slash underwhelming second half in the first half. Uh, this is this year. Last year, he hit like 260 and was just overall like just solid. Like, okay, showed promise. And then this year kind of uh, in the second of the year tailed off. But this year, what you're seeing in his profile is some good stuff. Like you're seeing gains in hard hit rates. Best of his career to this point. First time he's ever had a double digit barrel rate. It's at 13.2%. So he's already you're seeing Heim already make jumps in the spots you need him to in terms of believing the powers there. What you're also seeing is a huge decrease in that ground ball rate for Jonah Heim. 10% basically on the year. He's down to about 30% compared to almost 40% last year. And this is in, in the process while elevating the ball more, cut down on his info fly ball rate, pulling the ball more than ever. So he's getting the ball in the air more, pulling it more than ever. It, that's a recipe for overall like power production, what you like to see. It's, it makes it easier to believe without a doubt. And then uh, what you have going on here beyond that, 
I'm having, I'm so sorry. This internet's driving me nuts. I don't know why it's being so difficult with the connection. I've tested it multiple times and it's been no issues. So I apologize for those trying to watch. I'm going to see if I can fix it real quick on the fly, but I don't today. Unfortunately, it's my, I, I even hardlined it for a reason. I, I hardwired it. And for some reason it's not working. I'm getting really aggravated because on my side, there it goes. Okay. We're a little better now. All right. Again, sorry for the mishaps as we transition over from StreamYard to OBS strictly. And of course, with it comes a little bit of growing pains. So those who stick around with me, I appreciate it. Anyway, let's get into the uh, back into the number. So another thing about Heim real quick is the pulled fly ball to uh, the pulled fly ball in line drives. Over 60% of his balls are pulled fly balls in, high, in line drives. So the power that we're seeing from Heim is very legitimate. And we should be very excited to see that we should be very excited to see these changes profiles and all the stuff that's happening isn't by by chance. It seems to be by a matter of actually wanting to do this. So Dane Dunning's the next guy up, and the strikeouts are never going to be a thing with him. But what we're getting are great ratios. Now, we should expect for, uh, for him to regress. The regression monster is coming for Dane Dunning. The Sierra, north of 4, 4.43. The XFIP, 4.53. So you see, obviously, he hasn't allowed a single home run, which isn't in his game. Ground ball rates have always been decent. Strand rates, the bad bit is obviously going to regress itself, but again, not hasn't a lot of home run yet. Some noticeable things in his profile, though, Dane Dunning. The cutter velo is up, so with increased velo, you're seeing increased effectiveness overall in the numbers. Uh, 1.3 miles per hour on the velo, and pretty much across the board right now with his with his uh, velocity, with the slider being plus 2.8 miles per hour. There is less movement on the slider. This could suggest that there is a it's a tighter moving pitch right now. But what we have going on here with him is that, like I mentioned, the, he's avoiding barrels and hard hits, which goes back to the fact that Dunning is going to find success with this approach, but it's limited. The, the strikeouts aren't really a strength. He is on a good team, good ballpark, so there is some streamer upside here. But what we're seeing, you know he's going to regress negatively, and Dunning's a guy that, Outside of the deepest formats, probably not worth rostering. And like I said, he's probably still just a streamer type, even in the deepest of formats. He's Dane Dunning I'm talking about. Lamont Wade Jr., he showed flashes last year. We saw the strong plate discipline last year. We saw when healthy, uh, Wade was a rather solid fantasy contributor. OBP leagues, huge asset there. He's walking a ton, walked double digits, a lot, double digits last year. Walking at 19.7% this year, clip this year, he's walking more than striking out. I mean, when you're walking 19.7% of the time, striking out less than 20%, the you're gonna it's ridiculous what he's doing right now. The power's been there. He already has seven home runs last year. He hit eight overall in, in over 100 more plate appearances. So the power increase we're seeing there, but it's coming with, again, increase in plate discipline. And overall, just the stat line looks great. And if you dig deeper... He's hitting the ball harder than ever. Again, another guy with increase in barrel rate, and it makes sense. He's always been decent at barreling the ball, at least the last three years he has been. But Wade has really made taken a step forward, barreling the ball more than ever. With it comes the hard hit rate, of course, we mentioned. The ground ball rate is actually a little up from last year, but very solid still. Anything under 40% is really good. But I think it's just one of those things where he elevates the ball, and this year the ball is kind of traveling better. There's no shift. He was a guy that was affected by the shift, and a guy that actually worked his way out of platooning. Lamont Wade Jr. is a platoon bat, or was a platoon bat, Leading off for the Giants, bats ninth against lefties, so he's worked his way out of a platoon, and the Giants haven't had a platoon as much this year because they have guys like Lamont Wade who are serviceable. 
And he has first base outfield eligibility. He's becoming 12. He's probably, I'd say he's 12 team um, relevant because that's where I grab, I grab him an OCQ, which is a 12 teamer. It's the OC qualifier that me and the guys at GTE are running. So there's a lot to like there with him. He's, he's showing promise, and that's kind of all you can ask for right now. And in terms of outside of that, though, let's get to the, some of the guys going negative. Lance Lynn, what is going on with Lance Lynn? I, I think everyone wants to know that. And honestly, I wish I had an, a fun answer outside of the obvious that Lynn is sh- simply struggling with home runs right now. Among other things, I mean, ground ball rates lower than it's ever been. He has, he's been unlucky with the strand rate. It goes back probably with the home runs, probably hand in hand. And if you go look at his, like his games, when he's like seven innings, like five earned runs, like eight K's or 10 K, like he's, He's just missing his spots, and the command is a little off, and that shows because, look, it's the highest walks per nine he's had since, what, 2018? And when you go look at, like, the pitch charts for the day, when he gives up a home run, it's usually, like, right down the middle. It's usually a something just comes right at you. You can't it's, – it's something that's avoidable, but Lynn's having a hard time avoiding his uh, – missing uh, hitting his spots sometimes. And so although the strikeouts are there, so are the home runs. And I think once the home run rate regu- uh, regulates, we see the BABIP come down. We see that strand rate increase. I think Lynn has better days ahead of him. There's no reason to believe it's not there. Again, it's just uncharacteristics issues with some of these walk rates and stuff. And look, I mean, he's never had a double-digit barrel rate, and he has one for the first time in his career. It's stupid what's happening to Lance Lynn right now. And there's a lot of reasons to believe in positive regression, including, like, for instance, he has, like, what, a 7 ERA right now? Even the worst one, the FIP, is 5.32. The XFIP is 3.88. The Sierra is also 3.87, I believe it was. Yes, here it is. So you have all these underlying indicators that suggest like, hey, he's going to be better. And I think it's hard to buy in, obviously, because as a fantasy manager, we are all upset and frustrated about it. But at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism and reasons we should be happy at the very least that uh, that there are reasons to believe that he could be better. And, of course, again, the swing and miss is still there, so the strikeouts are still there. He might be more of a streamer right now while he's having issues with the home runs. But I think all things considered, he gets back on track and is kind of the pitcher we know him to be. That's Lance Lynn. A guy that I want to talk about trending down, people might not realize, because he was just so good. He was so good starting the year that people might not realize that Jorge Mateo has been awful in May. Small sample, I'm aware, but it's small samples all around when you go back and forth. And you're looking for trends. You're trying to catch players running, running hot, running cold. Obviously, right now, you have to run him out there. But Mateo in May has been awful, absolutely awful, batting 129. With a, I mean, the bad bit is low, 211, but the strikeout rate has spiked 20% to 36.4% compared to 14.5 in, in May, in March and April, I mean. The, the diversity plus is negative 18. For reference, 100 is is average. Anything below, below 100, you're below average. Anything above 100, you're above average. So if it's 90, you're 10% below average. If it's 110, 10% above the average. That's how WRC plus works. Jorge Mateo in the month of May is negative 18. So when I say he is struggling, I'm, that's almost putting it like too lightly. Oh, and I, I see comments coming in. What am I doing with Jazz in my league? Let's see if I can even pull these. I don't even know how to pull this up. Uh, see, this is where I get this is where it gets frustrated. I have a good I have a comment here, and I, know, I see on Streamyard you can pull up the comments here. I don't know how to. And I gotta learn. I gotta play around with this stuff. Uh, but anyway, so let's see if I can pin. I don't know what's gonna do. But so at the top, where uh, what are you doing with Jazz in your leagues? He still has the thing. He's a power speed guy, disappointing outside of that. But I think as long, I mean, you're, you're running him out there. You're, he's giving you those stats that you're not getting from anybody else. You're not just getting 20 and 30 off the bench or off the waiver wire. That's not something you just, you don't just replace 20, 30. And because you can't just replace that, you kind of have to just put him out there, especially in roto formats, especially where like you need that production. You know what I mean? Like that's just 
you can't go without that. You can't chance not having it. So at the end of the day, you're stuck playing them. You're going to keep playing jazz, and you kind of take your lumps. You know he's going to run hot. You know he's going to run cold and everything in between. So thanks for the uh, question, and we'll get back to the show here as we, as planned. So Mateo mentioned how bad he's been in May, just something I mentioned. And the guy I was really in on, I'm really upset that he's struggled to this point, Oswaldo Cabrera. He was a guy that I was really in on. He's still giving you a little bit of pop, mostly speed, the five home, the five stone bases. And when you look at the plate discipline, it's really solid. Striking out 20% of the time, walking only 5% of the time. He's not, I mean, he's never been a huge walk guy, at least at the upper levels, but he's been better than that. So I think there's a little bit of pressing possibly happening. Only a 222 bad bit for Cabrera, but he's underperforming and underwhelming, and he's not playing every day. Part of the issue is that like they have other options like Jake Bowers and Willie Calhoun. I mean, he's kind of doing what he's doing last year. The big thing I noticed was the, the 20% spike in ground ball rate from 28.2% last year to 48.2% this year. If he if her, if her or when he gets that ground ball rate up, because he's never really been a huge ground ball rate guy, Cabrera could get going, but you have Donaldson returning, so that's one less path to playing time. And as long as he's struggling, the production is just not – it's lackluster. And the playing time isn't there to at least give him a chance. Like, okay, I need stolen bases. He's running, right? Well – when you're not playing every day, and then on top of that, like he's mostly like he plays against lefties, some righties, and like against the A's, I think he played two or four. And it's just one of those things where it's like IKF factors in. He, look, I mean, we're talking 82, 88% zone contact, above a better than league average swinging strike rate. He chases more than league average. It goes back to is he pressing a little more? Because last year, he, but it was very similar to last year. A lot of these numbers are very similar to last year. The biggest thing being the ground ball issues. And I think once he elevates the ball, we see better production. Speaking of better production, Jordan Diaz had a, was a three home run game earlier this week, and he's a guy that people really, um, you know, they're getting in on streaming purposes and all that. The issue with Jordan Diaz though is that it took an injury to Loriano to even get that playing time against righties. Jordan Diaz was a guy that's been kind of platooning rather heavily and regularly. But I was like looking at the splits. The splits looked rather similar. But that three home run game is really going to help prop up that you know those numbers against righties because I think it was against righties that day. And he's been playing ever since. And we'll look at the lineups. And we're going to get into playing time today. See if Loriano returns. See if that lineup's even out yet. But that's the thing. You have Seth Brown returning. You have a, 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 a playing time question mark as it was leading into that injury to Loriano. I'm questioning how much we should be buying into this playing time. I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna. Have to, we have to see it carry over when it matters when these guys return. Speaking of another A, JJ Bleday, where there's. I think we talked about him on the last show, and if not, we'll talk or I talk about him on Bubba's on the Bubba on Bubba's podcast. And Bleday, he's showing a lot of promise. He's a former top prospect, and he's shown a lot of growth in the plate discipline. Now the walks haven't been there yet, but I think it's just a matter of maybe attacking pitches early on which i can look that up in a second but you're seeing the strikeout rate a huge dip there the power is producing he and he's always had the power so as long as he's hitting i'm wondering how this outfit's gonna because obviously estuary ruiz isn't going anywhere they have um seth brown obviously will factor back in jj bleday now uh, loriano it's getting kind of tight and then dh they like to put aguilar and Noda, Noda could play first, so maybe Noda will play more first. Seth Brown could DH more. But it's one of those things where they have – it's one of the weird – like the A's aren't good for a lot of things, but what they do have is some depth in the outfield apparently. So looking at uh, – but Bleday's, you know, increasing his contact rates, cutting down on the swing and miss, still chases better than league average rate. Like so better as in like he doesn't chase a lot. The contacts – the contact rate's up 3% across the board. It's good changes you're seeing here while remaining similarly – 
patient at the plate. So it's he's recognizing the ball a little better in the zone, and he's attacking. I am curious to see if his first pitch swing rate, or I think, yeah, it's baseball savant. We're going to go there and look up this on the fly for Bleday because there's obviously more aggression in the plate approach because Bleday is walking more than ever. And let's see if we can get to it. First pitch swing rate, no, about in line with last year. Whiff rate, about in line with last year. There's not really a whole lot going on here that's a, that's better than last year, other than obviously just performing. And his barrel rate's not even up from last year. His hard hit rate is, though. So you're getting that. It's interesting. I do mostly buy into what we're seeing from Blade, though. I don't think he's like a plus power bat all of a sudden. But what I do believe Blade offers is a solid overall like foundation and floor. And as long as he's playing, I think he'll he'll at least have a strong side platoon. Unfortunately, the A's are platooning guys for whatever reason. But Simeon, why are you watching? Go away. I hate you. All right. Uh, he said hi in the comments. I got to figure out if I can pull comments up to the live stream like you do on StreamYard because I am getting away from StreamYard and trying to do more with OBS because OBS is a lot more fun. Oh, before we get to playing time today, I, I have a Varland. You guys know how I feel about him. So I can just talk about that. Varland. He finally avoided the home runs, and we saw him get through a tough sixth inning. I think now that Molly's out for the year, you know Ober's safe. It's a matter of do we see uh, do we see Varlin take over Maeda's spot? I think that's very, very – I'm not going to say – the word likely isn't fair. I think it's very – I think the opportunity and potential is very is very much there, and I think he'll take advantage of it. Um, let's see who else. Oh, Michael Garcia. We talked. I think we did talk about him on the last show. We talked about how Garcia is kind of a contact-first guy – a guy that, uh, like, meh, like, I mean, the power is there's power potential, but he's more so hit tool, stolen base type, batting between fourth and sixth in the lineup. So you're getting some gain, you're gaining some stuff there. I, I like him. I just think that unless you need, if you need stolen bases and batting average help, he should offer those. So, and he's not a zero in the counting stats as long as he moves up that order. It's just one of those things that the power so lackluster is that it's like you have to honestly have a team build to fit that in. And then, oh, let's talk about two guys here. So Brandon Fott will be the first guy here. And I think it's just he's getting crushed. It's as simple as that. He's, you know, that fastball is not doing it for him. He's get, It's getting absolutely obliterated. Let's go back to this screen. And But otherwise, I mean, look, he's not striking out. The strikeout rate's not carrying over. He's still not walking play at people. And the strength rate, obviously, is due to regress. That home run rate, it would I would say it would regress. But obviously, he was in pitching the PCL here. The home runs, but the home runs have been pretty much everywhere he's been. He's had been home, he's been he's had home run issues, and right now with the ball flying out a little better, being the extreme fly ball pitcher that he's been and uh, that he's being and has been fought has been. He's, there's concern. There's reason for concern here. Sure, the ERA and the xFIP, like yeah, there's a six run difference, but the, the underlying numbers suggest that he pretty much is that guy. Even the Sierra's near six, like he's earning every bit of the uh, production against them that he's been getting. So, Fought's a guy that I do have concerns about that I don't know if I'm holding on to in shallow formats and deeper leagues. I would like to stash and just see, cause you know, it's a rookie pitcher. You want to give him a chance to figure it out as long as the diamondbacks do, but if the diamondbacks send him down, there's a good chance he stays down for a little bit. I, I don't, I'm not that confident in him. I was very excited about him coming in, but we're going to look him up on the fly real quick. Cause I like to do, I like to look, I like to show off my process in terms of like quick, like, Hey, this is how I do it. And this is what I'm doing. And look at that place. Look at the placement on the fastball, quick heat map right here on Savant. You see this, this fastball heat map. He's either missing or he's hitting it. It's like he has a hard time locating it around the edges. I mean, he gets a little bit right there in the top of the zone over there. But anyway, uh, the sweeper is landing middle middle almost. Like the changeup, I like where he's locating the changeup. That sits right right around the zone where you want it. And but the issue is he throws it the third. It's a third most thrown pitch. Those other two pitches he's hitting the zone too much and it, they're getting hit hard. I bet. Like look, the sweeper. A slug like it only has a batting average of 182 against it, but the slugging is 727. So when people do hit it, it goes a long way. That fastball throws it 58% of the time. 
and nothing about it has a redeeming quality. So the changeup has a 54.5% whiff rate, but when it gets hit, it goes a long way as well. It's just getting, he gets, he misses his spots, he gets obliterated for it. Brandon Fat is, Fott is just having that type of issue. He's got some things under the hood that are okay, but everything's just getting pummeled right now. It's hard to find reasons of optimism for Brandon Fott. And then Casey Schmidt, I was surprised that he's come along, come in and just kind of came together and started crushing. Like, we saw it in spring, but then he went to the minors to start the year, and the home runs weren't there. The power really wasn't there. He had a, 0.9, a .097 ISO in the minors. Schmidt was a guy that the power was there in, in, in high A, not really there in double A in 2022, and then triple A in 2022 wasn't there either. Well, the ISO was there, but... It was like, what, 16-play appearance uh, sample, so it doesn't really count. And then spring training, we saw the power come through. We saw him really take a step forward offensively. Went down, hit very well. Schmidt, uh, Schmidt had a 313 batting average, 352 OBP, and a 410 slug. So the OPS, about 760-ish. It, but it was when I say hit very well, it's because the batting average is 313, and he had a sub-20% K rate. And then he came up, and he's just been on fire. A couple home runs already. Hitting 667, obviously, is not going to sustain. I don't know suddenly why he's running or why he has he's running into power. He's hit two home runs in 12 plate appearances. It took him 145 plate appearances to hit one home run in AAA for reference. The glove's gonna play, the glove will keep him in the lineup. Schmidt's just a guy that I think is only 15 team relevant for now. And even then, I don't know how aggressive I'd be in fab form because I mean, we're still talking almost uh, 45% strong, uh, ground ball rate. The pull rate's not even that high. So I don't know if, how much he's gonna have to keep barreling up those and pulling the fly balls to in order to get those, uh, those home runs. And Lastly, I just, I don't know. <laughs> that's pretty much lastly with him, I should say. I, I don't really have anything to add to that. So that's Casey, Casey, Casey Schmidt. Jeez. And playing time. So let's just talk playing time. J.P. Crawford leading off for the Mariners. That's been a thing now for a couple games as they move down. Uh, where do you go? They put J-Rod back to third today. Oh, it's against a lefty, though. Because J-Rod against a righty was batting sixth, Teoscar seventh. And we all know Teoscar's underperforming, will be better than this, but when does he turn it on is to be determined. Same thing with J-Rod. He's still getting you those power speed stats you want him for, but the rest has been rather ugly. Crawford's been hitting well. Nothing flashy for fantasy purposes, but well enough to where if he's leading off, there's play appearances there. 15-team relevant, makes a middle infield type. Uh, but other than that, not a, lot, a whole lot of juice there. Not a whole lot of category juice, juice I should say. I know uh, Crawford was a guy that went to driveline this this offseason as well to kind of try to tap into that. The Tigers have been surprisingly useful for fantasy. Obviously, you have your Riley Green, Javi Baez types. Andy Banyas has been running hot, playing every day. Eric Haas as well has been managing to find his way into the lineup every day. You know, he can run hot and cold. He has some big pop in that bat. But they're facing a lefty today, so you have to know that like this team also platoons a ton. You got you have guys like um, McKinstry still factoring in versus left, righties and such. So you have to know the platoons here, know the matchups before you take a, take a look at the Tigers. But interesting that they've been actually performing well. Nixon Zell's batting fifth against a righty. He's earning his way up the lineup. He bats like second, I think, against lefties. So, but Senzel's also playing third base. And okay, this is what I want to see. So Friedel's out, and they replaced him with Fairchild yesterday. And Fairchild's in the lineup again today, so I guess that is Fairchild's spot for now. Until they, they need to call these kids up, though. They have these young guys full of upside and potential that we should be seeing them come up sooner than later. And then you have the Marlins, where you have kind of what you the status quo. I, I actually have to go take uh, Jesus Sanchez out of the lineup. It looks like he's not in tonight, and it's unfortunate because this was a very juicy uh, matchup at home. He's been running hot. He was batting fourth against righties up in like the last few games. 
injured, got that injured hamstring in like I think it was like the ninth inning of the last game too. I was hoping that maybe he it was just a little minor something, but it looks like it's more than nothing, and he's out of the lineup. So I guess Segura's been trash. Burdick might get some more run, I guess, in the process. I don't know. It's I was look. I was just it was uh, Jesus Sanchez was a kind of a guy that I really liked, but other than that, the Mets, the Nationals. Uh, we talked about Lane Thomas. I tweeted about him today. He's been leading off. This makes six straight now. That he's leading off, crushing the ball in May. Still has subpar righty splits, like almost a thirty percent K rate against righties, as well as um, like a sub seven hundred OPS against righties. So although he's leading off against righties, Thomas does, Thomas does most of his damage against lefties, and he'll get some run leading off. But just this team seems very. They like to fluctuate this whole... They like to move that leadoff spot. We've seen Alex Call get run there. We've seen Luis Garcia get a couple games, I think, at the top. Garcia has settled into the two spot and has been performing, so he'll probably stick there. But the point being is that Thomas will get some run, and then they might move off of him. Don't be surprised if they do, if or when they do. I should say Marte batting sixth. This team as a whole for the Mets have been rather lackluster and underperforming. So, But Marte moved down to the sixth spot. And today we know I noticed uh, Volpe, obviously we know he's been struggling. He did hit the grand slam, but they moved him down to seventh against a righty. So obviously if they're moving him down against a righty, expect him to move down more often than not. Bader moving to the five spot. I think he's been batting close to there anyway. I have to double check, but Bader's been on a bit of a heater and has kind of tapped into some power since he's been in New York. But a lot of that, I mean, short porch doesn't hurt either. The Orioles, same idea. Stowers, he's still starting against righties, but he's been so bad. I, I was in on him last week thinking there was a sneaky ad there because there is upside, but he's not hitting well. Batting ninth against righties, but at least he's playing. Connor Harrison's been rather bad most of the year. Batting seventh against righties at least, but uh, at least he's playing, right? Mullins obviously leading off. Uh, Pirates kind of constantly mixing pieces. Swinski's still playing most of the time, but has cooled way down since that little two-week hot streak we saw. Jiwon Bay has been fighting injury. He's in tonight, so I would expect him to play more times than not moving forward. Uh, Tusupita, well, I probably butchered the heck out of that. Marcano, he's been playing a little more of late. He's even playing shortstop tonight. Uh, I know uh, I know Chris Owings has been playing, but if they're going to put Marcano at shortstop and Bay at second, then that kind of takes away from Owings, who's been playing, I guess, filling in as needed for the injuries. And then, uh, well, well, we got a lot more lineups here. Okay, um, Springer's back in the lineup. That's great. Get him in your lineups too, because he's been fighting. He's been fighting health issues, not necessarily injury. Brandon Belt's been hot, but I mean, Spencer Strider's not the guy you want to stream him against. And they play two of three against righties this weekend, so he'll play two of three, and one of them being Strider. Belt is a desperation play in deeper formats. I know he's running hot, but still. And Rosario, he's been playing plenty. And this goes, okay, so this is, here we go. So Rosario against righties, and Rosario's been playing well. So you should be streaming him as well. But this way I noticed, so Ozuna, as hot as he's been, Darno's back. Darno has played two straight since returning. Him and Murphy have split the DH and catcher spot. You should see a lot of this. We saw this last year with the Braves, with Darno and, you know, and Contreras. Murphy, he's, his bat's not leading that lineup. He's going to DH and catch and obviously get days off in between. Ozuna's probably weak side platooning again as we speak. I know, he, again, we know the hot run was there for Ozuna, but anybody who knew how the Braves were going to, they, they knew the Braves were likely going to get back Darno soon and plug him in, and Ozuna was a guy that was more of a streamer for a couple weeks when he was getting the playing time, but that playing time looks like it's on its way out. Michael Harris is still batting at the bottom of that lineup. Uh, Kiermaier's been surprising. Going back to the Blue Jays, Kiermaier's been surprisingly solid. People might not realize he's still in bases. He's hitting some home runs, and he's playing every day, as long as he's healthy. And we've seen him run well in spurts in the past. So Kiermaier as a fifth outfielder and a 15-teamer, definitely AL only, has relevance, no doubt. 
Taylor Ward's been bouncing back as well as Anthony Rendon. Rendon, don't don't sleep on Rendon. He's been hitting very well lately. I sat Logan Allen tonight because the Angels tend to have been running rather hot, and they just they are a better lineup than they might have started off the year showing. Renfro's doing Renfro things. Jury's been kind of trash, almost like that first half of last year was like the only good half in the last few years for a reason. So he's been platooning with Will Brennan. So in AL only formats, DCs if you're desperate, Arias is getting playing time, especially against lefties. So like this week there was five lefties. He's gotten all of them. And then Josh Naylor is actually playing against Lefty today. He doesn't sit against all of them, but he does sit against a good amount of them, especially the tougher the tougher ones. So keep that in mind with Naylor. He's underperforming too, and he's a guy that I was really in on. I'm still giving him a chance, but trying to give him a chance on my bench right now. Let's see the – okay, so the Cardinals are a mess, but lefties, there's two out of three lefties this weekend. You should see Tommy Edmund leading off two out of three games. Newbar still plays every day against lefties and righties, so he's going to play, but – the weekend might be a tough stream for him. Could be considered sitting. Carlson's playing mostly every day, performing, surprisingly. And again, lefties will help him because I believe he performs better when he faces lefties or is it the other way around? I have to remember, is he better as the lefty? Uh, Juan Yepes platoons against lefties, so you'll see him two out of three this weekend. Newt Barr, you'll see him. Be, uh, sorry, you'll see the young more because Gorman will sit probably two of three considering there's two lefties. Uh, somebody's talking about Yuri Perez in the chat, so appreciate that, JJ. Uh, Yuri Perez... I don't like starting players in their debut, but it's the Reds. I think you're starting them in this debut. This is one of those where you make the exception. And this year, the way rookies have come up and cruised, the only thing is, is like he pitched in that um, that region where they were getting a tackier ball. But Perez is also a legitimate prospect and one of the better arms coming up. I think the ball ball be damned, he's going to play well and probably perform really well against a team that one of their better hitters in TJ Friedel is also out. So then not only is it a bad offense, but now you're facing a bad offense – in Miami, a, hitter, a pitcher's ballpark, and missing one of their better hitters, which when T.J. Friedel's one of their better hitters, that tells you enough about that team as a whole. The Red Sox, uh, another team that Durant's still running hot. Cassis has been coming around lately, so if you've been holding on to him, if for some reason you have him benched, he's probably worth plugging in. He's been playing uh, rather well of late, and obviously him for power. Manuel Val- Valdez, you know what it is with him. Platoon type right now, a little pop. Uh, got he finally got caught stealing for the first time, and w- would have been safe had it been. I'm trying to remember, it was actually a really close bang bang play. Not making excuses for him. I am starting him this weekend. Uh, oh, it looks like, and it's a lefty, so it's hard to tell if that really was a cramp or not for Max Kepler. But Kepler is out of this lineup. And I was hoping to see him in, but again, Kepler against lefties, he does sit from time to time. Smiley has been a good lefty. I don't think it's good enough to sit Kepler, but maybe they're giving Kepler an extra day to recover from those cramps. And I'm saying that because I'm hoping Kepler returns. But And I guess we don't have a lot of other lineups. Tampa Bay, righties, you know, um, it depends on Wander. If Wander's out, you'll probably see Walls go to shortstop. Predators get run against righties, but Predators has been awful against righties. Predators against righties this year, like a sub trash OPS. I can't even think of it. I think it was like sub 700 OPS. Not he's kind of in line with his career norms, which is just bad. That's why he plays against every lefty. And Predators sits against some righties, but not all of them. I'm just wondering when or if they're going to call up Curtis Mead to take that third base spot, or if they move Yandy back over and bring up, um, what's his face, for uh, Manzardo for first base. Uh, stuff like that can all still happen. The, Ray, the, the thing is, though, is the Rays have time because they're killing it right now. They don't need to force the issue. So cause it, because they don't need to force the issue, you're getting a lot of... Uh, you're getting a lot of just, you kind of have to deal with what they're doing. It's a headache. Speaking of a headache, this stream's a headache because now it's all blurry again. I give up. I'm sorry for those watching. I really did uh, intend on it not being crappy, so I'm going to have to figure that out for next time. Anyway, I digress. Uh, really want to figure it out on the fly. Honestly, it's going to bother me now. For those listening, thank you for putting up with this crap of, 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 a, of a podcast in terms of me just complaining about stuff like this that shouldn't affect stream as much. Anyway. 
Uh, so the Cubs, the Cubs are, I'm trying to think of what they're doing. Oh, Mervis, Morell, all at the bottom here. We're waiting for those guys to get move up, but Mervis hasn't really pushed his way up yet. And then you have the Astros. Uh, Altuve's returning soon, so leading off doesn't really matter. I think I've seen Pena up there. Dubon's in with injuries. seeing Hensley play more for Dubon, but Hensley's been trash. Other than gaining eligibility, if he plays enough second base in the process, there's not really much to think to take away from that lineup. The White Sox, Gavin Sheets is still someone you're streaming. The power hasn't been what we've expected, but the playing time is there. Uh, Hanser Alberto's Hanser Alberto's been actually oddly like great of late, and I know Mancada's probably he's supposed to be back today, so we'll see. Uh, if he's back, then you can kind of probably expect Alberto to return to a lesser role. But if Alberto's in there, he's sneaky. Maybe DFS players, he's been good and surprisingly good. The Brewers are still very heavy platoon. Hard to say what's going on there. Just know the platoons, really. Uh, like Guys like Owen Miller is going to play today, and you're going to see Trang sit. But Trang should play the next two against righties. And middle of the game, Owen Miller is going to get pinch hit for probably by Terang. It's, it's what they do. It's It's part of the... The whole issue here with uh, with these guys. So, oh, what happened to? Oh, there is updating, updating roster lineups. Maybe sometimes when it loads like that, there's lineups coming. Nope. Okay, so Dodgers, JD Martinez is being activated. They sent down Michael Bush. You should expect Martinez a slot in the middle of that lineup. Again, platoon heavy lineup there. Padres are about as well known as you're going to get. We talked about the A's for the most part because the A's are just you know Ryan Noda versus righties, Eglar against lefties, Jordan Diaz against lefties, and we'll see what Jordan Diaz is doing after all these players return, especially if Loriano's back tonight. Texas, you still have Ezekiel Duran crushing the ball. Great pickup he's been, and even when um, Seager returns, which should be soon, I can see Duran sticking via DH and a, like a utility role because that bat in that lineup is not going to leave that lineup with how good he's hitting, at least in my opinion. But obviously. We'll get real answers to that beyond my opinion sooner than later as well. And then you have the Diamondbacks. Uh, Dominic Fletcher has been playing every day, hitting very well. Not really a lot of power, speed, no real category juice otherwise, but he's playing every day, not in a platoon compared to other lefties that have been platooning for this team. So just know that that's a thing <laughs> that's happening with these guys, uh, that he's actually, of all things. Oh, somebody asked me Bybee or Varland. Uh, I'm going to say Bybee still, as much as I love Varland. I've been calling him Varlander in my uh, in my side te- te- texts. Obviously, he's not Varlander, but it's fun, the idea of it. And but yeah, I'm still going Bybee for now. But Varland is a guy that I have been higher on than most, I think. And I've been putting him in that Logan Allen conversation. And now I think he's kind of showing people that he belongs there. So it's one of those things where I'm like, okay. I'm I'm writing it out. I'm I'm starting them right every almost every start. I don't think I have him sitting on my bench anytime soon. But this is 15 teamers, 12s. He's tougher. He's still a streamer there. It's just tougher to force him into every matchup because he's not a must start guy just yet. The Royals. We talked about um, what's his face, Michael Michael Garcia, but we haven't talked about Michael Massey, who's been on fire, showing what we kind of wanted to see out of Massey in the in spring. A little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, playing every day right now and playing well. So. Lots of like there. Good streamer hitter. Phillies, you're still getting Imundo Sosa playing, but I don't know. It's a it's core series. You're getting your Phillies in there, but not a whole lot there. So, uh, Giants, the Phillies, again, just more so not a whole lot there because you know what to expect there. Uh, the Giants, you're getting the platoons. You're getting Yaz back soon. You're getting, uh, I know Slater just left again, but Sable, Jock, those guys are batting, are playing against righties. You have Wilmer Flores and others batting against lefties. JD Martinez, still everyday player. It's been a surprise of everyday player, too. Did we just we went through almost every team. I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss a team. 
Cubs, and I think we hit on just about every single oh, the Rockies. Randall Grichuk's been really solid. You could tell I just did my prep today, huh? <laughs> all this off the top of my head. For those listening, I, it's all top, off the top of the head. Uh, Grichuk's been solid and moving up the order. We've seen him move up, move down based on matchups, but he's been a top five batter regardless. And ever since I jinxed him last week, Ezekiel Tovar kind of took off and had himself a little hot streak. We'll see if that continues. We know he can be a decent bat. It just might have taken some time for him to get going and comfortable because, obviously, there's a lot of... Uh, Growing pains that have to happen there, you know. So he's a 20, 21-year-old kid playing shortstop every day. The glove plays, so the glove will keep him in the lineup. But Tovar had struggled up until about a week ago, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, the Angels, okay, I think, again, I, I'm just making sure we touch on every single team. And I apologize again for those listening who had to deal with the headache of me complaining. Thank you for putting up with that. Five-star rating review otherwise is greatly appreciated. For those watching, uh, sorry for the shitty uh, – the crappy outlook on the on the video it's not something i'm used to i i will be better going forward i appreciate you taking taking a chance and dealing with it today and uh checking it out otherwise we will talk soon i got nothing else to add to the stream so thanks for watching and uh see you guys next week